Praise the Lord. Say thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. As we keep standing, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12. The passage that has just been read, I will take just one verse. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Shall we share a word of prayer? Shall we bow down our heads? Father, indeed we are truly grateful and thankful to you for the privilege to come together today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to raise our voices unto you in prayer, in praise and worship and honor. Thank you, Father, for the precious written holy word. We thank you also for the mighty one, the Holy Spirit, whom thou hast sent to indwell us and to be our teacher and our guide. We trust him today, O Lord, that he will unveil to our spirits the word of God. And our prayer, O Lord, is that you will grant us the grace to be doers of these words and not just hear us only. In Jesus' wonderful name we have prayed. And the wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. That is the topic we've been asked to discuss this morning. We've had it during the first lesson. It's a great statement. A statement reminding us of our supreme service as children of God. As children of God, the greatest and the most worthwhile engagement that we shall ever have is bringing back others to Christ. And that's what Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 is reminding us. And the significance of that statement, of that verse, can be more remarkable when we consider the context in which it is found. Daniel chapter 12 is a prophetic utterance about the last days. And I believe it ought to be read in conjunction with Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21, and those chapters of the book of Revelation that talk about the last days and about the events of the last days, that talk about the great tribulation, about the emergence of the Antichrist, about the battle of Armageddon and the divine judgments of God, so and so on and so forth. So we find Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 is a prophecy immersed in the last days during the divine judgments of God. And the teaching is, we are told, that during this great tribulation, when the divine judgments of God will be on earth, that there will be a great company of evangelists that will go forth to proclaim the word of God. And the book of Revelation 
Specifically, Revelation chapter 7 verse 4 gives us an idea of who these people are. It tells us that these people will be 144,000 Jews drawn from all the tribes of Israel. 12,000 from each tribe. And that these ones will receive the seal of God, the mark of God, a special protection from God. They will be kept safe from the wrath and the fury of the Antichrist and from the divine judgments of God. And their mission will be to evangelize the post-rapture world. Praise the Lord. Their mission will be to do what? To evangelize the post-rapture world. To preach the gospel during that terrible time, the great tribulation. And the Bible is also letting us know that this statement, this condition, is also applicable to us today as children of God. Why is these 144,000 Jews are the ones that God will use to proclaim the gospel during the great tribulation, during that time of terrible suffering? We, you and me, will be the ones that God, are the ones that God has chosen to go and spread this gospel to all the ends of the earth. Praise the Lord. And we can see also that the condition that will be prevailing or that is already prevailing in our time, even as we preach this gospel, is not different from the condition that will prevail during the Great Tribulation. I'd like us to look at Matthew chapter 24. If somebody can read for us Matthew chapter 24 verses 9 to 14. Matthew chapter 9, 24 verses 9 to 14. Quickly. 24. Matthew 24. From verse 9. Verses 9 to 14. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Mm -hmm. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. The prophets will rise, will rise and deceive many. And because the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Praise the Lord. Our Lord Jesus says we should go and preach this gospel to all the ends of the earth before he returns. But he's not unmindful of the condition of the world, of the perilous times that will be existing, prevailing, even when we are going to do this job. So you will see that as the 144,000 Jews are going to be used to proclaim the gospel during that terrible time, the time of the great tribulation, it's our lot, your lot and mine, to proclaim this gospel. Even now, this time that Jesus calls perilous times, this time of great sorrow, of great trouble. Praise the Lord. So, our assignment this morning for this short for our interaction during the short time allotted for this uh, uh, program is one to consider and ask ourselves 
how far have we gone with this assignment? It's now almost 2,000 years ago since Jesus gave us that command to go and preach this gospel to all the earth. Take it to all the world before he returns. And we also know from scripture that his return is imminent. His return is any time from now. And so we would like to ask ourselves, how far? Because when he returns, we may be required to give account. How far? How have we fared? Have we had any obstacles, any impediments? What is left to be done? And how do we do it? That is what I want us to quickly, quickly look at this morning. How have we fared? You know, of a truth, I want to begin by saying that the gospel actually has been preached in all the world. Amen? I say the gospel has been preached in all the world. A lot of effort has been made to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. Today, very difficult places that we had never imagined that the gospel will get to have received the gospel. Today, we know that testimonies abound about how the gospel has penetrated places like Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, India, Buddhist China, Russia. God has given us wonderful platforms, initiatives, and strategies to use to move into these areas. You know that today, a lot of people live in the virtual world. So God has given us virtual platforms to reach these people who otherwise could not have been reached. The Lord has given us the TV, the internet, social media, and these platforms are doing a lot of wonders. In countries where even the governments are hostile to the gospel and have banned the circulation of Bibles, yet their citizens are able to read the Bible from the comfort of their bedrooms through these virtual platforms. Today, many can hear, receive the message of salvation, the message of God from the comfort of their bedrooms through these virtual uh, platforms. So a lot is being done. A lot is being done. The work of God is moving on very fast in many places. In Nigeria, I am a living witness that the church has grown. If I consider what it was say, in 1950, in 1960, and what it is today, I know there is a lot of work, a lot of expansion, a lot of growth. Today there are so many ministers of God, those who have been called by God and those who have called themselves. But there are so many. Today there are so many ministries, so many churches all over the place. There is no village, no matter how remote it is today, that does not boast of the presence of a denomination. The church is moving on. And you look at denominations themselves, they are expanding. Branches all over the place, including our humble uh, chapel here. You know that recently we inaugurated our eighth uh, outpost, praise the Lord, at Okwa. Isn't that so? So the church is growing. A lot of work is going on. But shall we say that we have done enough? Shall we say we have done enough? Certainly no. 
Certainly no. Why? Because we have a great enemy. We have an enemy that has come to steal, to kill, to destroy. The enemy of God. The arch enemy of our souls. Who is interested, whose interest is to destroy whatever is said to be of God. He started this opposition in the Garden of Eden. And that opposition has continued even today. So while we are rejoicing, while we are saying that the gospel has penetrated very difficult places, reached people and places that otherwise would have been impossible to reach. But we hear today, many churches are being closed and taken over by warehouses. Many churches are being closed and taken over by mosques in frontline Christian nations. Nations that you will consider frontline Christian nations. Britain, France, Germany. Churches are being closed. Mosques are taking over. Warehouses are taking over. Terrible. And at an alarming rate. Today, very important strategic decision-making positions have been taken over by the Muslims in such countries as Britain, America. Today, you go to US, you go to Britain, you go to Brazil, you find mosques all over. We have an enemy that is penetrating, that is fighting. Various uh, uh, Islamic uh, militant groups, terrorist groups, have found their way all over, all over the world. They have penetrated. They call it jihad. They, all they are doing is to promote the cause of Islam. All they are doing is to expand the frontiers of Islam. We have an enemy that is working hard. We cannot afford to go to sleep. Today we are told that there are more than 58 nations that can be said to be Muslim nations. And that a very good percentage of this number used to be Christian nations. But have been overrun, overtaken by Islam. Think of it. Think of it. And to do this, they used greedy pastors and foolish Christians to achieve their purpose. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? And the story is not different in Nigeria. The story is not different in Nigeria. If we want to be honest. Today in Nigeria, the country is being Islamized gradually and very heavily. Virtually all the important positions, all strategic positions, all the important decision-making positions in government, in the military, in the police, in the DSS, customs, in legislature, in judiciary, are occupied by Muslims. They are occupied by Muslims. And they use greedy pastors, unknown bishops, compromised political leaders to tell us that these things don't mean anything, that there's no relationship between these positions and religion. Today, they are using El Rufai as a state case, as a model. 
edified with impunity installed a Muslim Muslim system of governance in Kaduna. And many northern governors are looking to emulate him. Looking to emulate him. And even in the federal, the leading political party without conscience, without caring, they have installed that Muslim Muslim ticket. And they use our compromised political leaders to tell us that it does not matter. That what matters is uh, competence. But we know it's a lie. Even the dumbest child knows that the Muslim-Muslim ticket is the shortest distance to Islamic Caliphate. Even the dumbest child knows that the Muslim-Muslim ticket is satanic agenda to diminish the church, to hinder the gospel, and to impose upon us the religion of the son of the born woman. I hope you are listening to me. You are listening to me. Today, Fulani men have sat, brought down many churches in the north, especially in the northeast, Benue, southern Kaduna. And now, they are moving steadily to the south. They are moving steadily to the south. About seven years ago, or thereabout, I had a vision, vision of the night. And the Lord showed me these Fulani men. Very great number. And I was wondering what it was all about. And I said, Lord, why are you showing me this? And he said to me, that what you are seeing are not his men. That this is an advanced party of an Islamization agenda that has already begun. More than seven years ago. I shared this vision in the full gospel. I shared it in the church. But at that time, little do we know that this group was going to march on, march on with cruelty to this extent. But that's where we are today. That's where we are today. And my question is, what shall we do? What shall we do? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to tell us that soul winning is calling men back to God. Yes. Soul winning is evangelism about producing heaven-bound sense. But soul winning also is warfare. Hello. I say soul winning is what? Warfare. We must understand that also in that context. The Fulani men that are marching towards us, all they have in mind is what? Warfare. All they have in mind is what? Warfare. Their own fight may be physical, but we must also be ready to fight back. We may not fight physically, because our own fight will be what? Spiritual. But are we ready to do it? Are we ready to do it? And that's why Jesus said to us in that Matthew 24, Verses 9 to 14 that we read. It says, And you shall be delivered up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you. Hello? They shall do what? Kill you. And you'll be hated of all nations for my sake. And you know, many times when 
May a lot of us read that portion. We think that kill you refers to other people. What Jesus is saying is that we must carry this gospel to all the ends of the earth. And that in doing so, we may be required to give our lives. And the question this morning, are we prepared to give our lives? Are we prepared to fight to the point where if it is necessary that we lay down our lives? If you remember, the church history tells us that virtually all the apostles, virtually all the disciples of Jesus died for the cause of the gospel. Many of them were martyrs. Only the beloved John, the apostle, who was banished to the island of Patmos. But the rest, majority of them, gave their life for Christ. Are we prepared? That is the question. Because there is a battle. But I thank God that we have a God who is a man of war. We have a God who fights his battle. He not only fights his battle, he fights for his children. The Muslims, they fight for their gods. But our God fights for us. And our God says that this battle is his. That he will build his church. And the gates of hell shall never, never prevail against it. But that gives me a lot of joy. It settles, the, it gives me peace in the mind, in the heart. When I see the movement, we see all that is happening. Each time I remember that the Lord says he will fight this battle. That the enemy will never win. I'm so happy. But you see, the Lord wants to use us as his battle as in fighting this battle. He wants us to be his end time army. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that we're just mere worms. Mere worms. But the Lord says, yes, he will use us, mere worms, to do great and mighty things. He says he will use us. And all that is asking of us is to be willing and make ourselves uh, available. Praise the Lord. All that is asking us is what? To be willing and make ourselves available. How he's going to do it, we should leave it to him. How he's going to fight that battle, we should leave it to him. In fact, if we look through scriptures, we find very many cases of how God fought battles like this. He didn't need people. In the time of Jehoshaphat, he said, just go out and be praising me, praising me. Isn't that funny? Isn't that wonderful? God does things like that. God goes to any extent to deliver his people. In the days of Pharaoh, God said to Moses, tell the people to move on. To move on. Move on. They see a red sea. And they say, move on. The Lord goes to any extent to deliver his people. He can split seas. He can remove mountains. He can remove barriers to enable his people to pass on to the other side. And that is the confidence I have. That is the hope I have. That is what gives me peace. In the mind. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So winning is also the great commission. A spiritual assignment that has been given to every true Christian. No exception. Whether you are an usher, you must evangelize. Whether you are in the choir, you must evangelize. 
no matter, every one of us is called for this assignment. You remember that it was after his resurrection, before he ascended into heaven, that Jesus appeared to his disciples on a mountain in Galilee, where he appointed them, and gave them this command, this great commission. He said, all power has been given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And this section is what is now referred to as the Great uh, Commission. The Great Commission is the last recorded private charge that Jesus gave to his disciples. The Great Commission springs from the heart of God. springs from the heart of God. It is God calling you and me, calling the disciples of Christ to go and continue to go and finish the work that he started by sending his son to the world to die for lost sinners. That is what the Great Commission is all about. And Jesus says, every one of us must be involved. Say, go, teach all nations. In the book of Mark, he said, go and preach to all nations. Go to the whole world and preach to all nations. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the utmost parts of the earth. Brethren, I stand here this morning to remind us that with the Great Commission, opportunities abound for every one of us to go and preach this gospel. Enormous opportunities are available to every one of us. You know, today we are with the unbelievers everywhere. We are with them everywhere. We are with them in our homes. We are with them in our families. We are with them on our, in our company, on our streets, in our neighborhood. We are with them in our offices, in the marketplace, in the business place. All we need to do is to do what? Get active. Get active and preach this word. You know that the power of God that brings salvation cannot be activated or can only be activated, can only be released by the preaching of the word. That's why Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.16, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. First to the Jews and then to the Greek. So we need to go and preach this gospel. It's as we preach this gospel that the power of God will come and save souls. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And Jesus said, You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and all to the utmost parts of the earth. So, every one of us it is possible to find where you fit in. Maybe in preaching this gospel, it could be only in Jerusalem. Yeah, Jerusalem. Or maybe you have the privilege to go beyond Jerusalem and onto Judea. Praise the Lord. In my own case, I thank God. I've had the privilege of taking this gospel to the ends of the earth. I got born again here in Enugu. 
1986. 1986, when I came down from Lagos to do a special work here for the government of Anambra State. The then government of Anambra State, led by Madweke, approached my employers in Lagos for technical assistance to help them revive their investment company. And I was sent. Up to that time, I didn't know much about Anambra, about the East, even though I'm from Anambra. But it was when I came in 1986 that I got born again through the instrumentality of the full gospel. And after that, I joined the full gospel. I joined the deeper life. And maybe because of my zeal, because of my passion for souls, I was elected the chairman for visitation and follow-up committee in the full gospel. And our assignment was to visit and follow up new timers. And also members who have developed cold feet. Members who have not seen in service or in church for two, three, four times. will go physically to visit them. Because in those days, we didn't have the gadgets that we have today. There was no cell phone. There was no internet. No WhatsApp. So we had to go physically. But I want to tell you that those physical visits, they produce a lot of results. They were more effective than what I'm seeing now. Because when you come to a sister's place or a brother's place that you have not seen, that love, that love touches him. Even if he had wanted not to come again, he would think twice. Then you go, maybe you now discover that your brother or your sister, there's a problem. That is what is keeping him. Then the church can step in. The fellowship can step in to help. Praise the Lord. And in those days, apart from the official assignments, every Sunday after service, myself, maybe at times alone, at times with some brethren, will go visiting hospitals, preaching and praying for the sick. I remember that I used to visit this hospital, this parkland. So every time they say, let's go and visit and pray, I just remember and I laugh. 1986, I started every Sunday after service we go visiting. I remember there was a time my auntie was very sick in Park Lane Hospital. When we came and we wanted to pray for her, the doctors and the nurses were mockingly trying to refrain us because in their own opinion the case was a very bad one. From human eyes, they didn't see how this could be possible. Any help can be rendered to this one. But we said to them, we're already here. Just allow us to pray. Just allow us to pray. And we prayed. And the Lord did wonders. Immediate deliverance. Immediate healing. My auntie lived 15 years after that, before she died. She did not die of that sickness. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And when I left Enugu and went back to Lagos, I continued that ministry. When I got back to Lagos, by 1992, I had been elected a chapter president. The pres- chapter president for Maryland. Maryland, which was the third largest chapter in Lagos at that time, after Ikeja and Oba. That was 1992. By 1999, I had been appointed a field rep of the fellowship. And during all this period, 
I was still doing this ministry, this special ministry. Every Sunday, after service, I would go out to the hospitals to preach, to pray. Praise the Lord. I don't know how many of you know Lagos very well. There's a hospital called Eko Hospital in Ikeja. Eko stands for Eneli, Kuku, and Obiora. Three great friends, doctors, came together to start that hospital. I used to go there. And through my administration in that hospital, a fellowship started. And that fellowship is still on till today. And through that fellowship, one of the wives of the proprietors, I don't know whether it was NLE or Obiora, you now got born again. And today is a senior pastor in the redeemed Christian Church of God. And from the time to time, he still calls me to say, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. There was another doctor, Dr. Mosu, who got an appointment in South Africa. And he left. When he got there, just because of what we were doing in the girl hospital, he started a similar thing in South Africa. And he was always calling me to say, brother, I am following your example. What you did in Echo, that's what I'm doing here. I say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And while that was happening, the Lord now started calling me. Calling me to go to Brazil for mission work. At that time, I was already a chief executive of a federal establishment. I was the managing director and chief executive of the subsidiary of the Bank of Industry, which was then Nigerian Industrial Development Bank. But the Lord was calling me. And I said, Brazil, it sounded odd to me. It sounded queer to me. I knew from a little visit to Brazil that we had in 1989, when we went for the international conference, international convention of the full gospel, we merely spent a week that time. But I, I had a little knowledge that they didn't speak English. They were speaking Portuguese. And I was wondering, why the Lord asking me to go to Brazil? But you know, the Lord used a lot of people, starting from my wife, starting from the secretary of our chapter of the full gospel. So many members of the Fuku, including Pastor Adeboye, the, the general overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. He used these people to convince me, to confirm to me that he's the one asking me to go to Brazil. Praise the Lord. So, I had to resign my appointment as the field rep. I had to resign my appointment as a managing director. And in 2008, I left for Brazil, where I knew no place knew no man. The Lord said, go. And I went. The testimonies are so many that I don't know where to start. In fact, I started writing a book about my sojourn in Brazil. But the information, the data was so much that I'm just taking my time. Praise the Lord. In Brazil, I cooperated with more than seven different denominations, including Assemblies of God, which is the largest denomination in Brazil. During this period, I cooperated with a lot of foreign missionaries that came from the U.S., from Germany, all over the place. Praise the Lord. So what I am trying to bring out, my brethren, is that God is calling each and every one of us to preach the gospel. If you ask him, he will show you the area that he wants you to take part in. I want us to understand 
that this going to the hospital every month from the church is good. But all that the church is doing is teaching us to evangelize. It does not end there. That is not, should not be where it should stop. Every one of us, if you ask the Lord, He will show you the special assignment that He has for you concerning this matter. Some two, three weeks ago, uh, our brother, uh, Reverend K.K. Madichie, he invited me to a seminar that he has somewhere in River Valley. River Valley. You know, and I got there and I was so excited. I was delighted. Our brother was been doing wonderful things. He's gathering pastors, evangelists from all over the state and all over the nation and teaching them. Teaching them. Teaching those who will teach others. So that is own part that is playing. That is own part. If you ask the Lord, He will show you, He will show you how you can handle this matter. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And even as a retired civil servant, I am not yet uh, tired. I belong to an evangelistic group that is very, very active here in Enugu. It comprises men and women from different denominations who voluntarily came together because of their love for God, because of their passion for souls, to go and call men back to God. This group is called Sados. That is the short name. In fact, it stands for Sons and Daughters of Zion. And majority of members of this group are retired elder citizens like myself, who instead of staying idle, we have chosen to go out to call men back to God two days in the week, Wednesdays and Sundays, two to three hours. We go looking for people from their homes. We go to Skeke Parks. We go to markets, Ababa Market, Damija. We go to Parkle. We go to Orthopedic. Everywhere. We go carrying this uh, gospel. Because you know, today, Many people are like the rich fool that we read in the Bible. You know, the parable of the rich fool. He had his band full, full of his products. And he was rejoicing, gloating over this achievement. And he was saying to, them, to himself, what next shall I do? He said, I will pull down this band and build a bigger one. And the Bible said, in all of this, he never considered God. He was not rich to God. Praise the Lord. And then there are other people who are less privileged. Other people who are relatively poorer than this rich fool. And we discover that they are striving every day for survival. Trying to eke out a living. Trying to make ends meet. To find the means to pay for their rent. For school fees and things like that. And all this is, all these are doing what? They are legal. They are not illegal. Isn't that so? Looking for your daily bread. We will discover that the devil is a very wicked devil. Very cunning devil. In all of this, in trying to seek for their daily bread, many times they forget that there is a God. They forget that there is someone above who created all these things that they are running after. You know, in the pressure, in the pressure of life, they forget all these things. 
So it is our assignment to go and call men back to God. And let them understand that God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be what? Added unto you. So that is what this group is doing. And I tell you, you can be involved one way or the other. You, you must not stop with the church. There is a lot of work to do. You know that statement that Jesus made that the harvest is truly plenteous, but laborers are few. It's very true. When we go out to the field, we discover that it is true. We find so many people who say they are Christians, but they have never gone to church. They have never gone to church. We see many who say they are Christians, but they are only Sunday, Sunday Christians. When they go on Sunday, they come back, and that's the end. Many don't even understand what salvation is all about. Many you say, born again, especially to the Catholic. They say, what is it? And yet they say they are Christians. There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do. There are so many also who have, have knowledge. And we need to embark on what I call second touch evangelism. Second touch evangelism. That was what Priscilla and Aquila did with Apollos. You remember? The Bible tells us that Apollos was a mighty man, a mighty man of the world. But when Priscilla and Aquila listened to him speak in the synagogue, they knew that he didn't have it all. He only knew about the baptism of John. And so they invited him to their home and more thoroughly exposed the word of God to him. And after that, Apollos became fire. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, soul winning also involves meeting people like this. Polishing them. Bringing them to better light. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But supposing you cannot go to preach. You can also do something. You can also be involved in what? In prayer. And also be involved in prayer. You know that Effective soul winning comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power can only be activated through intercessory prayer and the study and meditation in the Word of God. Because as you pray, boldness, confidence will come to the speaker. As you pray, you will fill the heart of the speaker with the Word of God. When he is speaking, the words will come forth with power. Praise the Lord. And if you have some good knowledge of the word, when the time comes, at the appropriate time, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the word that is in you. Praise the Lord. So, we need to pray. Prayer is the main thing. Good soul winning. It's not necessarily only preaching. It's also about uh, prayer, prayer, prayer. You remember the disciples of Jesus did not ask him to teach them how to preach. Hello? The disciples of Jesus did not ask him to teach them how to do what? To preach. But how to pray. So time must be taken out 
in our closets, in prayer, watching the ground, pulling down, pulling down the strongholds of the enemy. The Bible tells us that it is the enemy that blinds the minds of the believers. It's a stronghold. But as we pray, we pull down the strongholds. We remove every step and obstacle. We allow the word of God to go forth in power. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I also belong to a prayer group, an intercessory group. We meet somewhere in Damija. And this one is every day. It's not just two days in a week. It's every day of intercession. Praying for the church. Praying for the nation. Praying for all these people in captivity in the forest by the Fulani men, by the kidnappers. A time we forget about our families, about our own personal problems. And pray. Hold on to God. And during these prayers, God has revealed so many things to us. God has spoken so many things to us. Praise the Lord. In fact, unknown to many people, there is a group of Fulani men and women, Hausa men and women, who have converted to Christianity, and whom the Lord is using very, very mightily. If you had their testimonies, it's almost unbelievable. It's almost like the things we hear in the scriptures during the first church. God is using them. Many times God has used them to foil all the plots. Many of us don't know that. Were it not for this prayer, were it not for these ones that God is using to foil the plans of the enemy, Enugu and Southeast in general will not have been what it is today. God used these people. These people, they don't know the Bible that much. But when they speak, you will know that they are speaking the mind of God. Their faith in God is so much that you begin to ask yourself, you who say you have been born again for how many years, have you that kind of faith? We need to pray. We need to pray. If you cannot go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, you can pray. You can be an intercessor for the church, for the missionaries who are out there. That is one way. The other way is that if you cannot do anything, you can give your funds. There's a lot of need for funds, for finances, for this kind of projects in the church. Praise the Lord. So, we must be ready to give our lives for the gospel. We must be ready to preach wherever, everywhere. It's supposed to be something in you. It's not supposed to be every month, every month, every month we go and say we are going to the, to, to the world. No, that is not it. All that the church is doing is teaching us, teaching us that it is important. That it's a wise thing to go and win souls. Hmm? And the, Daniel is telling us that those that will win souls are wise. Why, why is it a wise thing to win souls? Because of all the spiritual stewardships that a Christian can engage in, there is none more valuable to God. There is none more profitable to the believer himself as soul winning. Did you hear me? I say of all spiritual stewardships, of all the assignments that we will do in the house of God, there's none that God values as much as soul winning. Why? Because it is his greatest interest in the earth 
Because it is his plan. It is his purpose. Because it is his heartbeat. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And in 2 Peter 3.9, the Bible says that God is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering towards us world, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God does not want any soul to go to hell. Hell was made for Satan and his agents. And he's doing everything to drag us to that hellfire. But God on his part is doing everything to make sure that no soul gets there. Any soul that gets to hell is his own problem. God is doing everything. Even after the rapture, when we think it's all over, God is raising another army to go and preach again. To save as many souls as possible. To bring all to heaven. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So my brethren, we need to wake up. The time is short. The time is short. The apostle Peter says that the coming of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. You know, our brother Jesus, our elder brother, is not a thief. Is he a thief? Is he a thief? But the Bible says he will come like a thief. The thief is the one that comes suddenly when you least expect to take what does not belong to him. But our Lord Jesus will come like a thief. He will come suddenly to take only what uh, belongs to him. Say, so let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house there are many mansions. If we are not so, I will have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And when I have prepared it, I will come again to take you along with me so that wherever I am, there you will be also. He's coming again. The master is coming. He is coming. He is coming. The master is coming. And he's coming any moment from now. Any moment from now. So whatever we want to do, we should do it uh, quickly. Whatever we want to do. We should do it quickly. Any moment from now, the Lord will be here. Praise the Lord. And in closing, I want to give us good news. Something cheery. What is it? It is that our Lord is a rewarder. The Bible says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's nothing that you do for our God that you will go unrewarded. Our God never owes any person. No. Even though in soul winning as we go to win souls, we are not doing it because of reward. But nevertheless, we have a God who says, no, you can never go unrewarded. Praise the Lord. And if you look at Daniel verse 2, you see Daniel was beginning to lead us to that you know, thoughts from Daniel verse 2, Daniel verse 3. In Daniel verse 2, Daniel was talking about the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the wicked. That is the Old Testament prediction of the resurrection. And the apostle Paul took it off from there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that chapter of the Bible that talks about the resurrection, 
Paul spoke more concerning this matter. And he tells us that there is one glory of the sun. One glory of the moon. And one glory of the stars. And the stars differ from uh, one another. And Daniel is saying that those who win souls, they shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. They shall shine like the brilliance of the sun. They shall shine like the stars. And he says it's going to be forever and ever. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it. In the resurrection, when we rise, we shall all have glory. But some will have more glory than others. Just like the magnitude, just like the beauty, just like the shining of one star differs from that of the other. So it will be with us when we rise. We will rise in glory. But some will have more glory than others. Some will shine better than others. Depending on what you have done for the Lord. And in the book of, I think, First Timothy, also, it tells us that there is a crown of, uh, no, First Thessalonians, I'm sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. It talks about the crown of uh, rejoicing. Whoever wins souls will receive what? A crown. Will receive what? A crown. And the Bible says, when we win souls that end up in heaven, that on top of this crown, we will have a star. So some will have crown. They are crowned with 1,000 stars. Some will have crown with only 20 stars. And you know the more stars on your crown, the more you will do what? Shine. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In fact, when I read this, it reminded me of the situation during the war, civil war in Biafra. You know, that time, many of us who were undergraduates in the university when this uh, war started. And then, uh, many of us decided to join the army while others were running and hiding. And many of us were commissioned, second lieutenant, some, first, uh, some lieutenants, Depending on whether you have graduated, you have a first degree or a master's. And so many times on social gatherings, because those days we used to have a lot of social gatherings. Because people said, let us rejoice, let us enjoy ourselves. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Many of us were not believers. We used to have such bands called Hikers, Hikers International. They come and give wonderful music. You know, and those of us who are officers in the army, with one star, one peep, two peeps. When we are dancing, we are making a show like that. So that people will see. People will see. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So it's going to be like that in heaven. You will have ten stars on your crown. Maybe when you see mine with five thousand stars, you begin to look at me with a bad eye. One more two way. I gave you number Igwe. Bamo Tuwe. I gave you number Igwe. I gave you watcher. I gave you all the door. 
Lord Jesus. You are the Savior. You are the one that takes away the sin of the world. Come into my heart. Be my Savior from today. And my Lord. And let me walk with you. Thank you for receiving me. As you have promised. In the name of Jesus. Lord we ask that even now. The witness of the Spirit. Will be in her heart. And in every other person's. That you have forgiven. That you have cleansed. And that Lord now. They are the children of God. In the name of Jesus. Let the grace. Let the strength. To live this new life continually manifests in her. In Jesus' name we pray. Now I want us to pray and ask God for that passion for souls. One thing among the many God said to us in the sermon is that this job of soul winning is mine. Everybody's own. It's not for them it's for me ask God that he will grant you that consciousness that he has sent you to your workplace to win souls not just to earn a living he has brought you where you are see how he brought him ostensibly for the government but so as to bring him to the Lord in Enugu. In similar ways, God has brought you to where you are schooling so that you will win people. Where you are working so that you will win people. Where you are applying your trade so that you are a soul winner. Ask God to open your eyes, to touch your heart, to give you that fire. And to give you the courage, ask for it. And I plead that each one of us stand briefly. Because this is not for them, it's not for some, it's for everyone. Please stand, raise your right hand and say, Father, give me the fire, give me the power. That in my home, that in my workplace... That in my school, that in my interactions, I will be your witness. I will be your witness. Dedicate your WhatsApp status, your Instagram page, your Facebook page. Dedicate it to the Lord. You have used it to advertise business. That's smart. Now use it to advertise also the gospel. That would be wise. Dedicate it. Nobody is going to censor it. You are going to use it. Dedicate it to the Lord. That it belongs to Him. Not only to your business. That your Twitter handle. 
ask God to give you the right phrase, the right words, but that you will also use it for the kingdom of heaven. Don't keep quiet. Ask God to remind you when you pray. To pray for souls to come to the kingdom. Ask God to remind you as you step into your workplace. To ask for those that have not known Christ there. Ask God to help you. As you interact with soldiers, policemen, that that interaction will include the gospel. Including giving them a tract or two. Ask and God will do it. He will remind us. He will remind you. Ask. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we present ourselves unto you, asking, O God, that your wind will come into us, that not only do we stand upon our feet, but that we are before you a mighty army, bringing forth the gospel in the name of Jesus. Day and night, grant us, Lord, to remember, to call upon you, to bring in the harvest to call upon you for the souls that we see tortured by sin to call upon you to bring in those that we have seen being used in wickedness that they may turn to the salvation of christ father though we be on the staring lord though we be in the theater that lord as we remember we will call upon your name and as we call upon your name, thrust us out into that vineyard and cause it to be that you will use us, O oh God, daily, weekly, monthly, to harvest souls into the kingdom, to sow the word that will germinate, to cultivate the ground that people will sow also into. Thank you as you do this and much more. Father, every distraction every discouragement lord we remove from our lives in the name of jesus father god this is your calling for each of our lives and we will focus on it in jesus name we pray Amen.